You're listening to Badass Lady Folk, a podcast about socially engaged women and non-binary femmes kicking buns big and small. I'm your host, Christine Sloan Stoddard. That intro music came from the song Talking Hands by Toxic Moxie. As previously mentioned many times, this is a reboot of my Radio Free Brooklyn show, The Badass Lady Folk of Brooklyn. Now, Quail Bell Press and Productions is producing this podcast for and about incredible women and NB femmes from around the world, not just Brooklyn. This episode, my guest is Bernadine Franco. Welcome, Bernadine. Hi, thank you so much, Christine. I'm just honored to be here on your show. Of course. Thanks so much for being here. So fine, folks. Bernadine Franco is an art historian, educator, speaker, and the host of the incredible podcast Beyond the Paint with Bernadine. Here is a statement from the Beyond the Paint podcast website that I just love. If you're not familiar with the podcast, definitely go check it out. But listen to this statement first. My goal is to introduce and engage the public with female visual artists through works that expose the astonishing beauty of women's lives and empowers the female perspective defined through works of art. So good. Okay, so I would love to learn more about what you believe women's relationship with art is or can be. Great question. So I really believe that for women, that creating works of art or making art is their opportunity to expose not just their inner life, but their history as they experience it. And as you know, I'm not a maker at all. I don't create art, but I engage with women like you, Christine. You've been on my show. I've seen your murals. And I think that's what women can bring that, you know, was, it's definitely was missing a long, for a long time in traditional art. But on a more personal note, women have this, again, and they can also shape their own lives and narratives and kind of express that through their works of art. So, and that's where sort of the inspiration came from when I wrote that statement. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I can tell that if I knew nothing else about you, if I had never even listened to the show or been on the show, as you generously pointed out, I have been mm-hmm. on your wonderful show. Uh, I would just know from that statement alone that you have this deep connection to art. And that's really beautiful. <laughs> and you know, a lot of the connection I have is because, especially for women, women have sort of been my, they've helped me navigate in my own life. So for me, when I look at, when I contemplate art through women, it's a way of transcendence. It's also a way of kind of a freedom from constraints, right? Sometimes they're self-imposed. You know, I am a lot older than you, Christine. I'm from the 60s. (laughs) And even though, I I mean, I did experience patriarchy in a different way than, you know, younger women can um, experience it. And, you know, I came from a very traditional family Italian, American, Catholic, and women really just freed me that of possibilities, you know? So I think that's why they're so powerful for me. And for, in some ways for women, it's not even always the work, but it's also behind the work, 
You know, so one woman artist always comes to mind. She's the first, one of the first women artists I was exposed to is Louise Nevelson. Early, you know who she is? Oh, yes. No. Early 20th century, a mid 20th century assemblage artist who would take objects, like even from the street, like banisters from old schools, dowels. She painted them all the same color and then arranged them in these boxes which in itself is very, um, and she was looking at, you know, cubism, all, all kinds of things connected to art history. But for me, and, and I was a younger woman when I saw her, I was like, you learn about her and what a badass that she did things, you know, she navigated with what the men were doing. She also had her own persona. You know, she didn't take on this conservative take. She had long, long eyelashes, huge scarves. And, you know, for a while I was, um, I was an educator at, at a museum and for a while I would wear really this, this certain red lipstick in sort of homage to her because in that small way helped me kind of get out of my, my comfort zone, you know, of, I mean, I didn't go as far as she did, but um, still, and then, you know, today I wear scarves all the time. I am a big scarf wearer. So, it, and again, it's all, and it's sort of in a way I'm kind of, carrying their spirit in a sense. So it's not just the art, it's also who they are and really opening me up to live more daringly, to live more boldly, you know? And then, cause I was still very, and, and it's okay to be still very anchored in a traditional, I was you know, married, have raised children, have grandchildren and that's okay. But this was like for me. So I was able to kind of carve that out, so. Adorable. Well, actually, <laughs> I, I love hearing people's stories of inspiration, especially women who have come from more traditional backgrounds, talking about mm -hmm. what pushed them out of their comfort zone a little bit or or pushed them to challenge things. Mm -hmm. uh, because in I, I can relate to that to a certain extent, even though I am of a different generation. I know how hard it can be to push against tradition. So I, I always love hearing these kinds of stories. So on that note, could you talk about what got you into the museum world? Uh, because I believe you were a young mother at the time. Yes, yes. And it's a little serendipitous. I, um, in, I'll tell you what got me to the museum world, but just to backpedal a little bit, what got me to even to think about art, I had, you know, I was pretty, I was in college. I had a very young, I was a young mother, young little boy. And I was looking, honestly, for free things to do. And I didn't walk into museums at that time. I was probably around 20. I was really young. And um, I went to the Wadsworth Athenaeum in Hartford, where I lived, near where I lived. It was free on Thursdays and discovered art. But not women, men. It was mostly the men. It was you know, uh, Frederick Church's um, The Vale of St. Thomas, which is this, you know, panoramic landscape and um, surrealism, all these things. And I literally, it took my breath away. And it, in, in, it, for many reasons, but also personally helped me to see again, as I was, I talked about before, opened up my world. So that's how I learned about art. I uh, ended up changing my degree from English. I wanted to be, I wanted to study linguists. I wanted to be a trans. I wanted to like probably do graduate work in French or something and change it to art history. And 
um, I wanted to have more hands-on experience with art. And a friend told me, said, you know, why don't you be a docent at a museum? So a docent is a volunteer kind of tour guide. And I went to the Wadsworth, but the New Britain Museum had an opening for a volunteer and I went. And that opened the door to my life in the, as a career in, in the museum world. Because through it, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the, the role that the docent played, but through that I did internships and I was hired there and I worked there off and on for like 10 years. But when I was a docent, again, younger mother, and by this point I also have um, a, a daughter, um, I was in a group of mostly women, older women. They used to call me the tall young one because it was like me and then women 30 years older than me. But Christine, what's cool was these women were not like the women I was raised with. And I loved my mom and the aunts and all that. But these women were widows and or they, because again, they're older artists and they were like badasses in their own way. They wanted to make a mark. They were busy. They were very intelligent. And that even gave me pause. I'm like, wow, you can be so many things, you know? And so they, it, they were very, and they also too were outspoken. You know, they weren't meek. They knew what they, it's just very interesting. But from that, the dose, being a docent, um, and again, those two internships, I got hired as an educator and um, I did a lot around tours and I kind of jumped ship a little bit um, within the museum. I had a mentor, the director, I'm, his name is Douglas Highland. He's now retired. But he mentored me and he had me work in membership. And so membership is basically, you know, you're selling memberships to the museum. But because I had an educational background, I was able to like bring people in who wanted to be members and like show them the collection. And I did, you know, back like back end tours. I did all kinds of things to engage people. And, and in some ways that was laying a path, a path ground for me to teach, but that comes down a little bit down the road. And so I did that and I just saw how when you can, you know, you build membership builds on someone's deep, deepening their experience with art. And through that, I was able to, you know, I did all kinds of fun things and raising people, you know, up their levels, et cetera. Um, but unfortunately, I, the museum was very small, so I wasn't able to kind of grow. I, I kind of hit the ceiling there. And again, someone else told me, you know what, the way you like to engage people, why don't you get in development? And I ended up doing that for like 10 years. I worked at colleges, sometimes in art schools, and I worked mostly in major gifts. So I worked my way up in which um, I was able to engage people one-to-one. -one. Um, and the reason I bring that up in relation to art is Again, I'm kind of building a skill set of engaging people, you know, connecting them, their purpose to the vision of the museum or wherever I was working, the college. And that in some ways takes me in, in, in a kind of fun way to, to teaching. And do you want to hear how that happened? Because yes, I do. Okay. Because it took, because all the while those 10 years I'm working in development, I'm still going to art museums. I still love art. I'm not writing about art. I'm not teaching art, but I, my heart, any place I go, I'm going to all these exhibitions. I, I always say like my, you know, my children were exposed to a lot of contemporary artists and which all kinds of openings. And I went to the museum, the Wadsworth had a Rembrandt 
that hadn't been, I think, in this country for so many years. I forget the, the statistic. It's one of his self-portraits. And I love his, especially his older, because when you look at his self-portrait, and it makes me almost want to cry, because you look at his self-portrait, you see all of his humanity, all that he's been, he's, he's lived every experience. You know, for those who know about him, he's, he was wealthy, he was poor, he lost his son Titus to the, to the uh, um, a pandemic, he lost his wife, he died pretty much penniless, and yet he's so majestic looking in these self-portraits. I went to see it like eight times, I loved it so much. And the reason I, I credit Rembrandt, it's funny, not women, but Rembrandt to teach is because I went one time, I forgot who I went with, I believe it was my husband that one time. And there was a docent there, was someone there talking about it. And they were telling about his history. And I said, but look at the, like, look at his, the palette, look at the texture, something I said. And I think it was my husband said, you know, he said, you love art so much. He goes, I just don't know why you just don't teach. Like you get more excited over this painting. And that in some ways sparked, um, you know, I've been doing uh, development for over 10 years. I said, you know what, maybe that's the love of my life. Why don't I just live that passion? So, um, and this is where I hope your listeners will know that it, this is where tenacity comes in because I don't have teaching experience. But what I did was I just, it took me a while and I used my development skills of engagement to like, I would go to like community colleges and find out the office hours of the directors of an art department and they knock on their door and just tell them I was passionate about art and I wanted to teach it. And, and someone gave me a chance four years ago and, and um, I got a textbook and I basically, I mean, I, I, had, I had some other mentors and I created, I did this course. And since then I've, you know, I've even created curriculum and I'm able to, Christine, take that traditional text. So for those who don't, you teach, you learn art history, it's so patriarchal, it's, it's almost like sickening. And then incorporate women. And so, and, and not just women, but people from the LGBT community. And it just opened up this huge world for me. So now I live art. And then from that teaching, again, I'm a big believer that sometimes people tell you what you need to hear. So talking to another friend. I'm a huge podcast listener. She goes, I don't know why you just don't start your own podcast. I said, maybe I will. And my podcast was about three years ago, Christine, three years ago. Like when you, when I met you, I was a little more um, experienced. But when I started, they were like five minutes you know, I, I, I didn't know how to really use Audacity or that, that software. And I, like anytime I made an error, I re-record it. I mean, I just I went through all those ups and downs. And but through that, my world has just exploded because I get to meet women like you and not just I get to amplify the voices of women like yourselves. And as Amy Chaiklin, who was on my show, said, there's a sisterhood going on here. And. So my life has just become just so rich. And from that, now I'm writing a book now. So, so you can see where like my artistic life has just, you know, so it's, I'm so grateful to art. Yeah, so well, grateful. that was beautiful. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> could you talk, could you talk specifically about how you came to women artists, how you came to appreciate 
there are so you saw this gorgeous rembrandt and you were focused on the color and the texture and mm -hmm. the expression so was there some specific moment or was it just a i'm a woman so naturally i'm going to gravitate to some of this you know what that's an excellent question and i also ponder that because my heart and love is for women artists um, I think for me, and in, in when I look at my history of my looking experiences in art, men like Pollock and Rothko, those are abstract expressionists, and Frederick Church, the contemporary painter Sean Scully, Rembrandt, their works have anchored me and have engaged me to the depths of what art can be. But women, and I know right now I'm not talking about their name specifically, but women like Louise Nevelson, like photographer Catherine Opie, who, oh, can I talk about her for a second? So Catherine Opie is a photographer who I went into the Guggenheim. Again, I'm working in development. I'm not even thinking about teaching. I walk in the Guggenheim and I think I went there to see something else. And there was a small exhibition of her work. Blows me away because there I see a naked, very, she's a large set woman with scarification across her chest saying pervert. She's nursing her baby, nine month old Ollie. Behind her is this drapery, which is reminiscent of 17th century portraiture. And I'm like, what the hell? That, so because I'm so encased with this thinking traditionally the way women think, you know, the way I was raised and women like her, that's why I focus so much on women, because I see a nursing woman, because think about it, when I think about mother and child, it's Mary Cassatt and the Virgin Mary and all that. And here's Catherine Obi, turns it on its head. And those women, like for sure, I always incorporate her in every one of my courses. And it always blows my students away because they don't expect it. You know, because she's showing, you know, the other side of, and she's right, she's, she's showing her experience. So it's, it's, when I talk about the women, like men, I always talk about it through the lens of a work of art. When I talk about women, it's more about, like I just said about Opie, it's not just the work, but it's what's behind the work. It's what's, you know, um, that woman showing her lived history, you know, her and her daringness to put that out there. You know, she did all kinds of things around gender. I know she's someone people should check out. She's really cool. Yeah, she is so, amazing. I connect so, with everything you just said. I want to mm -hmm. backpedal a little bit. Yeah. So could you talk more about how you went to these schools and said, hey, here I am. Oh. <laughs> Here's my passion. Here's how I did it. Because often, even, in, even with the relationships I have going on now, I get the question, well, how did you do that? Because the, so many women have been socialized to think, oh, well, we have to go through this formal process and we're not qualified to do that. It's the imposter syndrome, right? right. So to hear another woman say, well, I did it. it. It was hard and it took some close people telling me you can do this to actually do right. it, but you did it. So how I did it was, so I did have, obviously I had some arts experience with the museum. So that was my resume. Um, I, 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 I had a lot of rejection. I think that's what, maybe I'll start from there. I wrote a lot of letters, impassioned letters. How, and what, see also I, I had good language 
how you know, and maybe it's the um, the the development person in me. I have good. I had a skill set of how to talk about engaging people, and to be honest, another skill set I developed through working in major gifts is face to face with people. So that's why I really hit like knocking on doors and everybody listens to you. I will say that I encourage everybody. Don't be afraid to knock on a door. Everyone listens to you. They'll give you your two cents, you know, because first of all, because you do you, you, so to take it through in, in, in just like in steps, if I don't have a doctorate, so I have, I do have a master's in um, actually in, uh, in American studies with a, a museum and museum studies. So I do have that part of my education. So you, of course you have to always apply through HR. No one's gonna read it, so to speak. You know, so then I always email, I find out, I do some sleuthing, I find out, okay, who is, who's the director of the department, who teaches our, all that kind of thing. I send it to them. They're not, they don't want write to me back either. Then I find out, okay, okay, who, and then I, I had like a spreadsheet. So I would literally list all the community, all the colleges that would accept someone with a master's. And then I had like columns. This is very much like, this is very much like uh, major gift work. You know, you save your columns, like all your, they call them touches every time I made a phone call or sent a letter, et cetera. And then I would li I, literally, I would go and go be there, show up on their door. And when I had, they had office hours and I would, and I always had a, sh not a shtick, that sounds, that sounds untransactional. Because you can be genuine and then also transact. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I had it in my head. I, I you know it's been four, it's, almost, it's like five years. So I don't remember exactly. But I just remember when I walked in, it was, hey, you know, I, I emailed you recently about teaching opportunities. And then I went into directly why I'm a good fit for you. Oh, the other side of it is know who your, who your audience is. So... I understand about, you know, community college. I learned about, I understand what it means to help underserved communities. That comes from my development background, all those things. And then um, lots of no's, as all no's. And then someone that I went up, to, I met with, um, they were stuck. And she called me, had an interview with me. And she remembered me and she says, you know, we need people with passion. And she said, I, I want, and she called it, it's funny. She called in also like the director of the department brought her in and said, we want people with passion. She was like, I think a dean and she hired me. And then from there, so it's tenacity and you work your butt off. I worked super hard, you know, talking about imposter syndrome. I mean, I was shaking because, you know, as much as I know what our history, you can't know it all. These are survey courses, you know, and, but now it's becoming, you know, I've now I'm developing that skill. So yeah. So that's what I would say. So I leave in the audience. It's tenacity and knock on doors, knock on doors. That's yeah. very. I know helpful. you knock on doors, Christine. I know. I know. Yeah. Where, I know <laughs> yeah. No, I do. I do. I try as much as I can, but mm -hmm. it still takes courage because oh, there are you. so many no's, right? <laughs> There's so many no's. It's yeah. all no's. Yeah. It's all no's. E even with like the podcast, the one thing I learned about, um, so in, in many ways, even though I'm not an artist or a maker, I create content for these podcasts. I do research. I look at, you know, perspectives. I mean, I want you to see the work, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But even that, there is a level of you know, getting your work out there, not getting thinking about being perfect. 
And there's this idea you just put it out in the world, let it go. You know, I recently, um, one challenge um, that I had recently was um, I did a podcast episode on July 20th and I do one every week. And then I got a bad cold and I just wasn't feeling good. And I couldn't, I, I had no energy to write whatever. And I'll tell you, I felt bad and guilty. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm behind. I had to let that go. But you know what? As soon as I felt better, I put something together on an artist. Um, it's not part of a contemporary work. And I, I put it out in the world. You know, you just ship it. You know, I don't know how good it is or not. I don't know. I don't know. I can't judge that. You know, the audience judges that. So I so. would love to hear how you find out about artists, whether they're historical or contemporary. Mm -hmm. I know that you use Instagram, everyone, you need to check out the Beyond the Paint Instagram. It is incredible, very well curated. Um, but you. maybe what, what are some other sources or, or how do you use Instagram just in general? How do you find art? <laughs> oh, I, so I'm a huge believer that to really experience art, you have to be with art. Instagram in some ways is the next best step and it connects me to people, but Every, most most times that I put record podcasts, I've seen the work because the tangibility of being with that work, that paint, whatever. When I saw your mural, murals, it changed everything for me. You know, comparatively, if I just saw, and I did, I saw pictures of them. That's how I did all of my research and all that. So I, I'm always in a museum. I do a lot of gallery openings. I travel, I travel all the time to New York and Boston. I live in New England. Um, but I, um, and yeah, I do a lot of um, connection with Instagram. But what happens is, is that once you connect with one woman, again, women are so awesome, especially there's like this, again, the sisterhood. So I connect with Sally. Actually, Sally Brown, I think, connected with me. It's a friend that you and I both know. I put on my podcast. Next thing I know is like somehow I learn about you and, all these other women. So it's now snowballed that, yeah, now I have a whole lot of people. In fact, I'm behind, if anything, I have a roster of women. And now I'm even going back, like there will be a time that I'll be like, hey, Christine, you're doing this now. Let's do another podcast. So I think it's, and the joy, the true joy of it all is that, I, and I didn't get, I didn't realize the medium of, of a podcast, you understand it because you're a podcaster. For many women artists, that podcast is like, that becomes part of their resume. They put all over their websites. It's, you know, a one woman was during the pandemic and her name is Catherine Hart. And she said, I can't show my work. She was so happy to do a podcast. She says, because now I have something that I could talk about my work, you know? So it is, it really, I think it's a way, I didn't even expect it. That's another way you can help other women. And um, so, and then, um, I also just recently had an um, interview with Ruth Bullock, who I learned from another artist that was on my podcast. She's from London. I had her on my show. And as much as, and I, I, this always humbles me too, as much as I read or I know, I think I know, she is very much attuned with representing those in the LGBTQ community, especially trans people, and that and, and she inspired me like, oh my gosh, I gotta do more of that. Even myself, doesn't, I'm not always as inclusive as I should be. And um, she has incredible work too. And she, um, 
she also it's also personal but she also wants to put the word out for that and build awareness so so that's how i've been using but it always starts with going to museums and galleries and um and and i've been doing that for a long long since i was 20 so it's it's some it's just part of who i am yeah well so when you get a new group of students for the semester mm. what are some ways that you engage them with art? Excellent question, I'll tell you why. Because it's most students, and I don't know if this will surprise you or not, I would say, and I'm not, I'd probably say upwards of 90% have not been in museums because these are basically survey courses and they're like, you know, I need to take it because I have to take it. And I always say, I'm gonna trans, I will, I'm going to try, that's where it's not translate. I'm gonna be able to, I hope, my hope is, to get you excited about art because we live in this visual world. So the things that I try to do is, and I also include in my course, I always go to a museum if they wanna go with me. But what I try to do is because some of that art, you know, it's beautiful, it's classical, like the Greek sculptures and all that stuff. But I always juxtapose it to something contemporary, something that deals with their own lives. And I think that's where I kind of get them. Also too, I help them to look and see because all of us, when we see something that you obviously you look all the time at art, I do. So it's a skill you kind of build. But a lot of times we just come to conclusions and we just use our bias. And to take a step back and allow the elements, you know, color and line to, you know, to like kind of like kind of like you kind of draw into that. You draw into all of that. And before you make a judgment. That is, I think, the most powerful thing that happens for my students. And at the end of the semester, I always say, and look how you can see. And I'm telling you, some of them get like choked up. I, for most of the part, I mean, you always have, not everyone, obviously, but I have, um, I've had students that are like, I'm gonna start going to museums because it's so, you know, they see how powerful. Also too, in our world, our crazy chaotic world and so much visual going out there, I always question everything, you know, and look to artists because artists have so much social, especially protest art, they're so socially aware, you know, and they're showing visually, you know, the wrongs of the world, you know, so, um, yeah, so that's so, but that's a wonderful question. I, and that's why I love about teaching too. You get every semester a new crop of people, you know, to think, to think in those ways. Yeah, thank you. No, it, it's, tough for me sometimes because I have been not as a professor but more in a teaching artist capacity working for nonprofits. I've been in situations before where I have taken a group of students sometimes adults um, but usually k through 12 to a museum and yeah many of them have even kids in New York City have never been to a museum before. I took I this one group to the Brooklyn Museum for a nonprofit and there were three children who had been to the museum before. There were only two immigrant kids in that class. Everybody else was born and raised in Brooklyn. It was wow. just astonishing to me. Um, well, thank you so much, Bernadine. That is all the time we have folks okay. and dear listeners. Thanks so much for choosing the Badass Lady Folk podcast. I know you have so many choices for your podcast and other forms of entertainment. You definitely need to check out Beyond the Paint. I will be dropping links in the description. 
more than ever in the history of humankind. I know there's just so much to choose from. I'm your host, Christine Sloan Stoddard. You can find out more about me and Quail Bell in the show notes. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever else you're listening to the Badass Lady Folk. Tune in next time.